Okay, I did it. I love making my brain go kapow. So something that I've been thinking about is how um, I feel grateful for moments where I'm going to kind of choose the lazy route. And I'm like, you know, it's fine. I'm learning French right now, but I'm reading an English book. So I'm totally fine just like doing a podcast in English and it's going to be fine because it's about English, right? Like you can't French, tu ne peux pas faire la francisation d'un livre anglais. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like you can't turn an English book into French, but apparently I just did. <laughs> so, so maybe that will be helpful for people because I actually did a little bit of a Google search. And, and I Google searched the logic of English, but I put in, in the French and I put in the search, le logique de l'anglais. Um, and actually there's a bunch of different posts there where people are literally trying to search for a blog post of somebody that will just explain English logically to them as a French speaker, French as their first language, trying to learn English for the first time. And actually, I didn't even find the logic of English translated into French yet, which it could be very helpful. Maybe like my podcast will be like a first in for people to like, you know, get to know the logic of English from a French perspective. Who knows? Anyways, so I started my podcast and I only lasted like seven minutes, <laughs> but that was okay because I had a lot to say and, and I was grateful that I could say as much as I did. So what I wanted to talk about with this book, so good. Like, I love doing book reviews. I think if I could spend the rest of my life just doing book reviews, I could probably be a very happy person. So it's called Uncovering the Logic of English, A Common Sense Approach to Reading, Spelling, and Literacy by Denise Edie. I don't know how to say her last name. Anyways, okay. Honestly, on first reading that, um, that title, and I'm kind of a judge a book by its title and its its cover kind of a person. If I wasn't like hungrily searching for understanding the the foundations and the history of English and the logic of English, those kinds of things, and understanding like the, you know, the root words and all of these kinds of things, I probably would pass over this book and be like, well, that's not worth my time. I would rather read about fantasy or romance or anything under the sun, but a book about spelling and reading and literacy, right? Like you would think that, right? But for some reason, there was something in me at the time that I was kind of in this search hungry mode that I was like, no, 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 I need to learn this for me, right? I actually do. Like I, I know a little bit of language learning from Spanish and French and all of these kinds of things, but I haven't actually done a good deep dive of English. The last time I did it was maybe grade eight because I had a really good grade eight teacher. I loved her two bits and she had the best worksheets. She made sure we understand, understood grammar and, but it wasn't like she fantasticalized it. She wasn't a theater kind of a person. Like she just gave us these worksheets and we just filled them out. And I actually really liked them. I was like, what book is this from? Because every worksheet I've gotten from this book that's been photocopied for me to do, I've actually really learned a lot from it. It's explained the rules in such concise ways. And I've just been nerding out, loving every single piece of grammar that I'm getting from this. So that was like the last time. So that's been like maybe like 20 years, right? And so now it now is the time. Now is the time for me to open it again. And it has been so much fun. I don't know what it is. It's probably because she kind of does this like little 
synthesis at the beginning where she gets you really hungry to get good at this. She like, she goes over how illiteracy is so common, even among the, you know, the, I don't know, first world countries and how so many people are just so, um, I guess like intimidated by the English language. And then she talks about how, you know, like there's, there's lots of problems that make it so that it is intimidating. Right. And, and a lot of people don't really see what it is that, that makes the problems, what the problems are. And it's not them that is the problem. It's not the person that's trying to learn English. That's the problem. It's actually the problem is within the intimidation of a person not being taught English by a person that understood English. (laughs) You know what I mean? So they're being taught by people that, that pass on this intimidation of English kind of thing, right? And so I was just like, oh no. So she, you know, as an author is trying to, you know, just like kind of dissipate this, what she calls the literary crisis, literacy crisis. Um, and, and it's awesome. It just makes me so happy. You know, she even goes on to say like, um, 32% of fourth graders read well, 34% test below proficiency and 34% cannot read. Um, and you know, like she just talks about how, you know, like the system teaches literacy, like all wrong basically. And then she, you know, she has to go against the grain when she's in a classroom teaching, like in a, in a regular government program to like be a rebel and teach the kids actually how to read, right? Like, because, um, because she has to bring in all this stuff that's actually going to teach them. And, and so it's just really, really cool. You know, I love these, I love these, um, I'm going to read you this paragraph here. It, it talks about like some of the percentages she even talks about. She says, the devastating reality is that the situation does not improve as students age. An astounding 69% of eighth grade students are reading below grade level. 26% of eighth graders are functionally illiterate, meaning they do not possess reading and writing skills adequate to function in daily life. 48% of adults are not proficient readers. While 22% are functionally illiterate, only 3% of adults test at the highest level of reading proficiency. Even when the population is limited to college graduates, the news is not encouraging. Only 10% of college graduates read at a high level of proficiency. 15% are below proficient, while 4% are functionally illiterate. (sighs) So anyways... I am just, and, and then I like it because she also even goes on to say that the reading success is not linked to IQ and it's not just connected with poverty. Um, she just like goes on to just talk about how it's, it's just a crisis, right? Like, you know, she talks a little bit about how in the past people used to think, oh, you're supposed to teach someone to read by teaching them the whole word. And so they just memorize the word by the shape of the word. Um, but then she talks about how, you know, like it's been a habit of most people to only teach intensive phonics to people with dyslexia or people with learning disabilities. But in her perspective, her opinion is that every single person should be given the, the treat and the pampering that a dyslexic person or a, or a person with a learning disability has. Everybody should learn intensive phonics so that they can be literate right? Like they can understand the language and its intricacies and its root words and all of those things so that they can read, 
um, at a proficient level and not be hindered by, you know, like having, basically having, in my mindset, it's like basically having to waste a bunch of your time by just trying to figure out a word when if you just knew those words in your own like personal chat GPT brain of like knowing all the rules already, then you could just take any word, any new English word, and you'd be able to just like figure out the, 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 how to spell it, how to say it, how to, how to write it without necessarily having someone right beside you having to say it to you for the first time, right? Which is what I've depended on for my whole life. It's like I've always been dependent on learning English from an English teacher being right beside me saying the words to me so then I knew how to say it, right? Like I never used any words really. And then I would just memorize. I would just memorize that experience and be like, oh, when I was with this word, I was with the teacher and they said it like this. So that's why it's said that way, right? It's very much like that old school version. But but I love the way that Denise Edie, I really need to find out how to say her name. I love the way that she's just totally bringing this empowerment to people and be like, no, no, no. We live in an age today where you can't afford to be a person that's just gonna be dependent on someone else to explain the English language to you. You have enough smarts, you have enough access, you have enough resources to, to master that yourself so that you can move on, basically, right? You can move on. You can become a teacher of it or you could, or you could just know it so that anytime you're reading anything, you'll be able to pull out exactly what what needs to happen there so so her idea is that okay so there's 26 words in the alphabet right so the idea is that oh sometimes when people are just taught like not intensive phonics they all they learn all they think is oh just teach a kid 26 alphabet letters and their sounds right their basic sounds their short vowel they're not necessarily vowel but their short sounds right what rather than their long sound kind of versions you know, just, just teach the, the very basic skimming the top level and then they'll be able to read. And then, oh no, they can't read, so now they have a learning disability. But really, the idea is like, no, they can't read because maybe they might be a logical or a literate thinker, literal thinker, and so it's not that they have a learning disability. They were, they were just taught um, in a non-intensive way that wasn't respectful of them needing to be able to know all the rules in advance so that they could plan ahead and actually be able to to decode every single word in the English language, right? So she kind of, she talks about it like that, where how there's 75 basic phonograms, right? There's there's the, the one-letter phonograms, there's the two-letter ones, there's the multi, multi-letter phonograms. And so when she talks about phonograms, she's basically saying sounds, right? There's, there's 75 different sounds, right? Basic sounds, right? And, and then she talks about how there's, there's some advanced phonograms, right, that a person can learn later, but the 75 most basic phonograms are all over the place. They're from the most basic level um, to the most doctorate, you know, it says these words appear at in every level of writing from a simple children's book to a doctoral thesis. That's on page 31. And then she talks about how there are advanced ones, but they only occur like once or twice, right? In the English language. For example, the word A-I-G-H. How would you say that as a sound if you didn't know, right? And then you think about it, but then it's like, no, this, this is advanced because the only word that uses this phonogram is the word straight, right? S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. Students who know the phonogram AI may be able to decode the A, 
easily because the AI and the AIGH are clearly related, right? So, so it's just like so cool. Just like, it's so cool. I, I want to use the expression like I'm dying of delight or I'm like, I'm like, I'm like coughing of, of like just exhilaration, you know, like I just so over the moon about this because because I think it's like demystifying. I love when people demystify things for me. I feel like it's like the best gift in the world to have like a really good teacher, like a teacher that actually knows all the answers. I love teachers that actually know all the answers, right? And you can just ask them anything under the sun about something and they actually have the answer. You're like, what the, what just happened? When did you learn all of those things, right? Like, who are you, right? And so that's kind of my introduction. I'm only up to chapter five right now, but I didn't even go into detail uh, on like the specifics of some of the things that I really appreciated that she taught me, even just in the first five chapters, right? Um, I'm going to go into it a little bit more in my next podcast, you know, like everything from how S doesn't have the sounds as like just that. It's actually S and Z. Like it's an actual z sound. I was never taught that s also had a z, right? Like, and it's a z when it's up in plural words, right? So things like chairs, cars, houses, right? Or in his or is, right? It was always like kind of this underlying idea that like, oh, well, you know, like it's an S sound, but those are exceptions, right? And then you kind of feel dumb. But then I like how she talks about how most of the exceptions that most people think are exceptions are like actually 70% of the language. So they're not actually exceptions. They're actually rules that if you follow the pattern, you'll be able to get, right? And then the really empowering thing that I love about her book is she talks about how when a person masters English as a language, they actually become literate they actually become multilingual without even knowing it because of the way that English is where they don't just um, translate a word from another language to their language. They actually keep a lot of the languages from other languages. So they, so like the word guitar or plague or, um, you know, gorilla or guide, those are all French words, right? So then they talk about how like there's like um, a hard... Okay, so this is like the explanation. I just love the way she explains things. I just have to. I have to. Okay, so she said, French and Spanish words insert a silent letter U to separate the G from an E or an I to retain the hard G sound forming the phonogram G, right? So then she gives the examples. Plague, guide, gorilla, guitar. Um, and then it also explains the multi-letter phonogram DGE, J, is followed by an E causing the G to say J. Okay, I know that sounds super dry, but for some reason when I'm reading it, it sounds incredible. It sounds like rainbows and leprechauns and gold and, and smatterings of gold. And I feel like I'm in like a golden land. I feel like I've landed. Like, you know how people are like trying to find Mars and they're like trying to actually land on Mars and like repopulate it? I feel like I've already found it, right? I feel like with this book, I've landed on the planet gold. Like the golden <laughs> letter. Yeah. 